check. All right, check, check, check. Here we go. Check, check, check. One, two, three, four. We're talking. We're talking. We're talking hockey. We're talking hockey. We're gonna get really excited. Of course. I think. I think we're gonna get excited. Hey everybody, welcome back to Freepcast. I'm Rob Murray, your host, and Freepcast is brought to you by the Free Press Media and recorded at KMSU Studios on the campus of Minnesota State University in Mankato. Today, we have an extra special guest, Shane Frederick. Say hi, Shane. Hi, Rob. Thank you. Shane is the hockey writer at the, at the Free Press, and he's been doing stellar work in that role for 20 years. On the day as his column comes out, it's the first thing I read in the Free Press. Is that Tuesday still? Yeah. Tuesday mornings. He's won dozens of writing awards. I hope that's actually true. Can we say dozens? Um, Let's just say dozens. Yeah, you might be right. Over the years for his coverage (laughs) and for his columns, he's been a pioneer on the digital front as well. He was among the first in our newsroom to really embrace the use of social media media as a tool to communicate with readers. And his post-game Facebook live chats are required viewing if you're a fan of the game or the Mavericks. Uh, most importantly, Shane loves to talk about hockey, <laughs> as do I. So uh, it's great to have Shane on the show. Thanks for coming, Shane. Thanks for having me, Rob. How about that game? <laughs> Saturday's game, the uh, WCHA championship game. That was, uh, as I keep saying to people, which is, and being as a lo- at a loss for words sometimes, I just keep saying that was something. That was, uh, you know, I have to go back and... Um, probably teasing or maybe if you're listening after the fact uh, my column for this week uh, trying to figure out like you know where that ranks in terms of games I think it's really easy sometimes to go through uh, the the history and kind of g- remember certain things about certain games and think they were the best of all time it's also really easy to in, in this day and age especially that the thing we just saw was the greatest thing ever so right. you know, how, how do you put that into some kind of perspective and you know after a couple of days of thinking about it I don't know if I've ever seen uh, a game like that in an environment like that with a lot on the line uh, i.e. a championship um, and and to see the way that game ended I don't know if you'd say it was the greatest game of all time in terms of how it was played from start to finish for MSU but for them to come back um, two goals down with the goalie pulled score two goals have that building explode 5300 people um, I don't remember hearing it that loud before there might be a couple games that were close maybe the disturbed concert from 2002 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it <laughs> well I'm, I'm sure it probably ranked up there i mean i think when i think about that building being loud the verizon center the soon-to-be mankato civic center again um when i think about that building being loud i think of the gopher hockey series the three games i think it was 2008 um when uh, there were three WCHA playoff games here. Two went to double overtime. One, to, one went to overtime when MSU scored in overtime uh, to win game one, in double overtime to win game one. Like the Trevor Briss goal? The Trevor Briss goal, one nothing uh, double overtime game. It was loud then. 
If I go back to 2003, there was a series here against North Dakota uh, when Minnesota State um, swept North Dakota as part of that 17-game unbeaten streak when they finished second in the WCHA, tied for second in the WCHA. Um, I remember it being very loud then, but I there's something about anticipating a goal in hockey and uh, they, they score a goal, the crowd gets into it, now it's 2-1, to one. they pull the goalie again, and now there's all this anticipation. The crowd is buzzing, it's roaring, it's exciting. Every time there's a shot taken, a pass made, a pass missed, uh, potential puck going out of the zone, whatever might happen, the, there's just this building and building and building. And, uh, you know, it's like a balloon, you know, just getting onto the, you know, very, uh, you know, as much as as close it can get to before breaking and then when they've scored uh the explosion happens the balloon pops and when Connor Mackey the defenseman scored that goal to make it 2-2 I I mean I couldn't hear the announcer announce the goal I it was <laughs> absolutely insane I was also you know it was like a out of body experience because I was also deleting everything I had written up to that point <laughs> which was a whole story about Minnesota State losing that game and Bowling uh. Green winning uh, <laughs> which is the life of a uh, sports writer, mm-hmm. the life of a beat writer that uh, I always say when people ask me, uh, who do you root for? Uh, I always just say I, n- I root for no overtime. Right, right. For people who um, have listened to the first few podcasts and were expecting a musician or an artist, <laughs> just to just to let you know, this is going to be a hockey talk for the rest of the show here for the most part. Maybe we'll talk something else, but maybe not. Um so feel free to check out at this point <laughs> if you don't like hockey or don't give a shit about hockey. It, that's fine well, with me. Um, well, I'll still try to make it entertaining. I, I, I hope as you I, always do. I try to make uh, my hockey work entertaining for the non-sports fan if they yeah. choose to ch- pick up a sports section once in a while. And I actually have had people tell me they don't read sports, and but they do read my column. I've mm-hmm. had. Um, it always makes me wonder how they stumbled upon it and and why they choose to continue to read it. But uh, I. I have had people tell me that. Well, it's it's, it's very good stuff. You, you're, well, you're 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 very good at writing that well, column thanks. and everything else. Thank so, you. and this game we're talking about, uh, listeners, took place Saturday night. WCHA championship game. Uh, it was a really big deal. So um, that's why we jumped right in with that game. Probably the most traumatic thing I've ever seen in that building. Um, it was just uh, it was a, it was a really tough hard played game for 98% of the game and then everything <laughs> happened in the last two minutes. Right, right. And that's why I said it's hard to say when people say it was the greatest game they've ever seen. It was for sure the greatest um, two minutes. It was, yeah, it, it was definitely, and I think you said the most dramatic. I think that might be the, the ideal phrase um, that, you know, I've seen overtime games. I mean, uh, we've had discussions for those of you who are listening who know a little <clears> bit about <throat> the history of MSU hockey, at least at the Division One level. 2003 also had a double overtime playoff game against Wisconsin. Grant Stevenson scored in double overtime that sent MSU to the final five in St. Paul. Um, uh, I was covering that game for the Milwaukee. Oh, really? Journal Sentinel. Oh, nice! Wow, um, boy, the, that's going back a ways. The only hockey game I've ever covered. <laughs> um, Thanks to you, you got me there. Well, gig, great. I I, that's uh, <laughs> that awesome. I'm I'm, I'm glad uh, it was your I guess first and last. First and last, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it was, you know, a little context about the game. Um, you know, it was, there wasn't a lot on the line for Minnesota state other than winning a championship. 
Um, they'd already won the regular season championship. And, you know, so much is made nowadays. And they of, were a shoe-in for the postseason they, tournament. Yes, they they were, exactly. The Thank you. Tournament. So there, they, there was, that's what I mean by there wasn't anything to play for. They had already clinched a spot in the NCAA tournament. They had a high enough ranking that they were going to go in there. We don't have to go to the details about how those rankings are done. But uh, the, uh, Bowling Green didn't know that they were in until um, partway through that game when another team in the country lost that made their ranking secure. But did the team know? I don't know. That's a question that didn't get asked post game, and I'm un- unfortunately uh, I, I would have liked to have known for sure if they had known or if they purposely tried not to. The fans knew, right? There were some I fans, and so. a lot of Bowling Green fans were there, and I think. Somebody said something about them finding out at some point. Yeah, I, around the time that result came in out east, Northeastern beat Boston College for the Hockey East Championship. Um, the result That's the result that Bowling Green needed. That happened, I think it was between the second and third periods in Mankato, and the Bowling fan, Green fans, right around that time, I saw that news come up. They seemed to be all cheering. So I assumed that someone had found out right then that they had made the NCAA tournament. And I think a lot of people, for those of you who are familiar with college hockey, there's these rankings called the pairwise, and I won't get into too many details other than you can follow them daily. They change every time a result comes in, uh, uh, any hockey game, any Division One men's hockey game comes in, There's uh, the rankings change. So you can follow from the beginning of the season on where your team is ranked in that and whether or not they'll make the NCAA tournament. And because of social media, because of this instantaneous reaction to everything that happens, um, a lot of people follow that and put everything into that. And sometimes I think that the games themselves get lost. So while you can say, well, MSU had nothing to play for, Bowling Green eventually had nothing to play for because they were going to make the NCAA tournament. Their season was going to continue. It's easy to forget that, oh, by the way, there's 5,300 and some odd people in Mankato watching a championship game. Yeah. And <clears throat> Bowling Green has never won a WCHA championship of any kind. They want to win a title. Minnesota State is playing in front of their home crowd the biggest crowd they've had this season, the biggest crowd they've had in quite some time. They want to win in front of them. A lot was on the line, and they're competitors, and so there was a lot to play for. And I think that's one thing that sometimes gets lost. I think it gets lost in all sports, too. Everybody thinks of this ultimate goal, and the season ends quickly. It's a long season. It's six months long, and everybody thinks about what's going to happen at the end of March. And it can be one and done. It can be over quickly. And even those who win a national championship, it's a short run. It's two weekends long. And you have this whole other season to think about and uh, follow. And so for me, I, I think sometimes you got to remember that those games exist and cool things happen in those games. And uh, they're important, uh, you know, from a, if you're a coach, a player, a fan, a ticket season ticket holder, whatever you might be, um, you know, you can't discount that previous five and a half months of the season. Right, right. So, And then you get up to that game last night, or Saturday night, excuse me, and it's, um, you know, if it was the last game of the season for either team, it'd be something you just wouldn't forget all supper. And I, I feel the same way even as they continue on. So let me ask you this. Um, 
the um, score comes out between the second and third period of this game, I I would be surprised if the coaches didn't know. They, would, yeah. They've got their phone on them. They're checking scores. Right. They want to know what's going on. So you're you're Chris Bergeron, the coach for Bowling Green. Between periods, you find out your team has made it. Do you do you tell the team? You know, it seems like it looks like he didn't because there was some crushed looking. I think they were going to be crushed players. either way, even if okay. they knew. Um, okay. Because, and I don't know if they tell them. They probably don't. I would guess they don't. Now I don't know. Those players have access to that information. Do um, I'm going to guess they don't. Um, I think Minnesota State players put their phones in a secure location before the game starts. I would so, imagine they don't so want they the don't, distractions. They don't want that stuff in the locker room. Um, but I would guess the coaches would know mm-hmm. those results. Um, but either way, I don't think you coach that way. I don't think you um, you play that way. You know, if I'm Chris Bergeron at that point, I like that I have a one nothing lead uh, at that point. I like that the way my team's playing. I like that we're in the NCAAs no matter what. So now let's go win a championship. And I'm sure five minutes into that game, when they're up two nothing, he's probably feeling really good. As a coach, though, if you're sitting there and you're saying, "Okay, I want them to feel desperate and that they need to win this game," so he's going to withhold information, isn't that? <laughs> hey, I've it's been, a, it's a weird balance to strike. I think. I've I mean, there's some games, debate there. I've been to uh, I've been to uh, NFL games where uh, they don't put the score they don't put the out of town scoreboard up because they don't want the team to know uh the result of what's happening around if it's they need to win to get in the playoffs but they could also get help from someone else losing they don't want that up there they don't uh so i've yeah i've been to games where they take it down so it's not just college sports it's professional sports and um yeah i think if they can try to eliminate any kind of outside noise to try to help themselves uh, win a game, um, they'll do that. So let's talk about the NCAA tournament. The Mavericks are going to Providence, Rhode Island. Correct. To play the University of Providence. Right. I think it's Providence College. Providence College? Okay. But, um, or maybe it's Providence University. I'm not, I should look that up. So initially, I... The Friars. The, the Friars. Friars. They got a great jersey. Yeah. It's actually a Friar, like, with a stick, right? Yes. Skating. Yeah, yes. It's, fan- it's fantastic. Um so initially, uh, I was thinking, and I saw some people on social media complaining about having to go to Providence to play Providence. Right. But let me ask you this. Um, at this level, doesn't it, and I think I even replied to one of your tweets about this, it doesn't really, I can see having the home ice would be, a. you'd rather have it than not have it, but... At this point of the season, everything is so intense. And aren't they really kind of just tuning that out a little bit? And just you have to win the game on the ice. The, yep. the fans can't do anything for you except be loud. You need to come with a game plan and win the game on the ice. Right. So a couple things about that. One is that um, for Providence, uh, they are the uh, poster child for this uh, phenomenon, it seems, because... <laughs> They uh, were a number four seed, so every regional has four teams, uh, seeded one through four. 
based on those pairwise rankings we talked about earlier. We should we, we should clarify there's 16 teams that make the Correct. national tournament. Right, four regions. Four regions. And so uh, Minnesota State is in the East Regional. They are the number one seed. They're number three overall. And Providence is a number four seed. So that means they are, I think they were number 14 in the final pairwise. Um, so the last time at Providence was a number four seed and got to play in Providence, they won the national championship. <laughs> they moved on. They won their regional. They went on uh, and won the national title. So they're a little bit of the poster child for this. And there's a long-running debate if you want to go on social media and see. There's a debate amongst a lot of media people and others about whether or not the NCAA regionals should be in neutral sites or if they should be in, on campus or home sites. And usually the rationale has to do with the crowd size. If you turn the games on this weekend uh, at any of the regionals, you're probably not going to see really big crowds. So the experience from a fan standpoint for those who go, the experience for the student-athlete, um, it's not going to be like it was in Mankato on Saturday night. So that's the argument for that some have made for on-campus sites. Uh, the other argument is travel. And the other argument is the just the general NCAA rules in when it comes to uh, deciding who gets to play where. And in this case, Providence, normally Providence, or excuse me, normally if a, uh, each, so each regional is hosted by a school. For instance, last year, Sioux Falls, Ma the Mavericks were in Sioux Falls for the West Regional. North Dakota was the host school. North Dakota did not make the NCAA tournament, but if they had, they would have been placed in Sioux Falls no matter uh, no matter uh, where they were seated, just because they were the uh, they were the host school. That's part of the rules. What's interesting right now is Providence is not a host school. They just happen to be a school that plays in that city. Brown University, which is also in Providence, is the host school. So why? So the NCAA did not have to put Providence there, but they also consider they have to consider everything. They consider bracket integrity which is making sure the top seeds are playing the bottom seeds and that you are as close to the 1 versus 16, 2 versus 15, 3 versus 14 okay. as you can get, although they can do some tweaking, and they'll do tweaking uh, to help travel. They'll help tweaking. They'll tweak to um, consider um, uh, getting bigger crowds and uh, all that sort of thing. So... St. Cloud State's the number one overall seed. They get to go to Fargo. You you protect the number one seed as much as possible. They're going there. Um, the number two overall seed is Minnesota Duluth. They're going to Allentown, Pennsylvania. Number three overall seed is uh, Minnesota State University, Mankato. They're going to Providence. Uh, Massachusetts is the number four seed. They're going to Manchester, New Hampshire. So it made sense that Minnesota State was going to go to Providence. If you do the bracket straight up, they would play Providence. Whether you put them in Fargo, Allentown, wherever, they'd play Providence. And so it just kind of made sense. What's unfortunate is that it's a long travel for Minnesota State, over a thousand miles. They gotta fly. <coughs> they're going to they're going to Providence. And the other three teams there are all pretty close. Um New you know, Northeastern is in Boston. They're fifty miles away. Mm -hmm. Um Cornell is the other team. They're in New York, they have a little further to go, but fairly close. So it doesn't look like it benefits the number one seed having to go there. But to long story short, 
um, what you said, I, I kind of agree. They have to, they just have to go play. And Mike Hastings said that. And, and I, so I think the flaw is not in what happened just now. The flaw might be is how can this be corrected in the future? Um, but Minnesota State, you know, um, they got to just go there and play no matter, you know, no matter what. They'll be the home team. They'll get the big locker room. They'll get to be the wear the home jersey. They'll get last change. Uh, they'll have all the benefits of being a home team other than that they had to travel a long way. And we'll see what kind of crowd Providence gets. I don't well, know. Let me ask you this, Shane. And this is not their home rink either, so that's the other part. Oh, it's, it's not? No. Okay. So, um, but they're going to be it, – it'll be full of Providence fans. I would think so. Let me ask you this. Would you rather – if you were the Mavericks, would you rather go to travel out east for the first round and play Providence in an empty building or in a building full of energy, even though it's not for you, uh, that's a good question. No, that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know. Don't you think? Don't don't you think the team <coughs> that's you know coming in and it's not their fan? Don't you think that gives them a little bit of something, some kind of a we're going to come into this building? It's their it's their building. It might. I, I think what's incentive to win, right? And I think what's too <coughs> bad. What I, I don't disagree with that idea. Um, part of the problem is that there just aren't a lot of well-attended regionals in general. And I don't know what this one will be like. I don't know how many Providence fans are buying tickets. Um, I don't know what tickets are selling for right now. Uh, Ticket information, um, as of before the taping of this podcast, were were not available yet. So for me, you know, I I look at it as I'd want to play in a building with energy no matter what. And... um, go there and try to find a way to, to, to win a hockey game. Um, you know, Sioux Falls last year, there was actually quite a few, there were quite a few fans there, but three Minnesota teams went there. They, they, they stuck Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota State, St. Cloud State, Minnesota Duluth, all in uh, Sioux Falls. So there were actually a lot of people, a lot of fans there because the travel was super easy. It's a drive. You don't have to, you know, I just made my travel plans this morning for Providence. I mean, I have to go there it's going to be a four day trip and um, cause it's not, it's not easy to get to there are layovers and flights. There are uh, you know, it's not fly in the day of the game and fly home if, and when they lose mm-hmm. or if, and when they win two games, it's uh, you know, you're kind of stuck there. So it's not an easy uh, experience necessarily uh, travel wise for anybody. But if you could, if they were in Fargo, you could drive up to Fargo for the day. It'd be great. <clears throat> But that's not always the, the case. It's also a national tournament. I mean, they're they're expecting and hoping that fans will travel to these sites to watch games. So there there probably will be some people who go. Oh yeah, there's always a few oh, fans yeah. wherever they play. Yeah, um, and how fact, well do the does the Mankato fan base travel? There's a few who I mean, there's a few uh, diehards who I see out and about quite a bit. Uh, you know, you run into them in Marquette and mm-hmm. Houghton, Michigan, and you wonder why they made that trip in the middle of the winter, and uh, there, there's a few who do, who do that uh, regularly. There's some people who choose a once a year destination. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, Mike Hastings uh, mentioned last night about when they played out at Boston University to start um, the 2017-18 season that there were a whole bunch of Mankato people who came out uh, to Boston for that weekend, um, and so you're seeing that quite a bit. You know, if I'm a fan. 
um, and I'm of some limited budget, but I have some money. Do you go out to Providence and watch them play and hope that they win? Or do you kind of bank on them going to the Frozen Four and hoping in two weeks that you're, 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 mm-hmm. you're, you can make the trip to Buffalo for the Frozen Four and see them play there and you know kind of hope that they'll win two games? Because I, I would guess there's a lot of people making that decision, saying, I can't go to Providence, but um, boy, if they go to Buffalo, I'm there. That's a good place to transition to my next question. Okay. They're 0-5 in the NCAAs. <laughs> That's right. They are. Um, As a Division One school. Yes. A Division One school. So making that, trying to mull over, do I go to the first game or do I go <laughs> to the Frozen? I mean, if you're just looking at the, the history, you would say, well, I, they haven't done that well in yeah. the national tournament. Yeah. I'm going to go to Providence. But um, is this team any different, do you think, of all the – this will be the sixth time they're here now. Uh, where do you rank this one in terms of their chance to go beyond the first game? It's a hard question because... <clears throat> You've been you there know, for them all, right? I have. Uh, they played Cornell in 2003. That was a year Cornell was the number one team in the country. And MSU came in as the bottom seed. And um, it was a close game for a while. And then they kind of got into some penalty trouble as some of those old... Uh, Troy Judding coach teams did. I and watched that game at uh, <laughs> what was then called BW3. Oh, yeah. Um, downtown there. You know, and then they didn't go again for 10 years uh, until Mike Hastings came around. And that first year they played Miami of Ohio in Toledo, Ohio, and um, didn't play real great. Uh, I, I think there was a little bit of just happy to be there, I think, for some of those players. Yeah. And, um, Things kind of went off the rails a little bit. Uh, then the next year they played uh, UMass Lowell in Worcester, Massachusetts, <laughs> and that was a great game. Two goalies just playing fantastic, and MSU lost 2-1. to one. Um, Cole Huggins was fantastic in goal for the Mavericks. He gave up one shorthanded breakaway early, and then uh, Lowell's uh, Colin Hellebuck, who's now the Winnipeg Jets goaltender, he uh, had MSU shut out until after they scored an empty netter to make it 2 nothing, and uh, then he gave up a, a goal with like 10 seconds left in the in the game, and it ended up 2-1, but it was really just two goalies. It ended up being a really fantastic game, and I think was one where MSU didn't really hang their heads too much. The 2015 was the really devastating oh. loss. They lose to RIT. Yeah. Uh, the first time a number one loses to a number 16. Controversial <coughs> goal. Uh, MSU is the highest scoring team in the country. They are held to one goal. Um, really kind of a, 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 you know, I think I can tell that as a program, they haven't really gotten over that one yet. And then what last, do you mean by that? I, I think the controversial goal really hurt. I really, that really bothered them. It was, they'd finally found a way to tie the game up. And um, I think they were really starting to make a pretty good push. And, um, uh, the controversial goal happened. Mm-hmm. It was called no, called no goal on the ice. That seemed to be the correct call. They went to review. They decided to call it a goal. And um, was it a was I, it a goal? I, I in your think, in your no. I don't think it your should estimation. Have been a, I don't okay. think it should have been a goal. Um, but it was, and they didn't play great that game. And then last year was uh, another strange game for them where they. They got up 2 nothing and were playing great against Duluth. And um, 
They give up a break. Uh, a bad turnover leads to a breakaway goal. Suddenly, Duluth's kind of back in it. Um, it's a 2-1 game going into the uh, third period. MSU hits a pipe. They hit a crossbar. Then they take a late penalty. Duluth scores, ties the game. Duluth wins in overtime. And then overtime was just crazy. It was only like two and a half minutes, but there was uh, Duluth scored. That goal got waved off. So now it looks like MSU is finally, hey, that was their comeuppance for the 2015 issue with the mm-hmm. no goal. And then MSU had this great scoring chance and uh, wide open net. And one of their guys falls into it right when the puck comes and that the guy's back end keeps the shot out. And then Duluth goes back and scores in overtime and they win and they go on to win the national championship. And so, uh, so I just went through their whole history there. And so what makes this year different? I don't know. I'm going to have to wait till Saturday, I guess, to see, but there does seem to be something a little bit different about this team. Um, a little bit of resilience that, and, and maybe some, and maybe they've been tested in that department a little bit more than they were last year. Um, or have handled it better. And a prime example, of course, is Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've gone back and talked about when they were up at Michigan Tech and they've uh, this season and they pulled the goalie and they, they found some ways to win some games that uh, maybe it didn't seem like that was their night. So I don't know. Uh, there is something a little different about this team, the way they're structured, the way they play, the way they uh roll four lines and play 6d um but strange things can happen especially in a one game one and out i mean there's a reason the nhl plays the best of seven Mm -hmm. um because strange things can happen to hockey there's always strange bounces so when you get to this time of year and you play one and done um weird things can happen but i think they they need to find a way to get over that hump and not let the one and done (laughs) hurt them this time around so even though it is one and done do you have you ever felt like the best team didn't win the title? Oh yeah, I think there's a famous uh, there's a famous uh, at least in college hockey circles a famous quote from Jack Parker who was the old Boston University coach for many many years, and he always would say that the uh, winner of the national title um, in college hockey is not the best team. Um, in of not the, necessarily, anyway. it's not the best team in the, of the season. It's the best team. In March. Oh, okay. It's the best team um, who's playing at that point. It's a long season, and you know you you get to that that time when you know it it's a two weekend uh, sixteen team tournament, and you know it's and, and it's college basketball. It's the same thing. I mean. If Duke wins the national uh, tournament in, in men's basketball, yes, that's the best team. But uh, they almost got knocked out last night. Yeah. You know, they survived by a point. And if they had lost that game, someone else was going to win the national championship and be called national champions. And that's what happens. I mean, that's that's the nature of 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 sports. And you know, sometimes the best team wins, but sometimes the you know it's the hottest team that wins or the team with the best goaltender that wins. Um, you know, uh, no one's going to tell you that Team USA in 1980 was the <laughs> best team that, you know, they uh-huh. were the best team that day and yeah. um, uh, against the best team in the world. Right, and right. Um, that's, 
And so you just got to find a way to play your absolute best. And I, I think they just, they, this team, this Maverick team does a pretty good job of situational hockey. And, and, uh, you know, I think their goaltender is very good. And I think their way they defend is really good. Something lost in Saturday's game. And Mike Hastings brought it up on, on the, uh, in the post game was that as well as Bowling Green was playing defensively and everybody was noting how well Bowling Green was playing defensively. You got to remember that Minnesota State was playing very good defensively too. Bowling Green scores; they were the eighth highest scoring team in the country. Um, Minnesota State was third or fourth. Bowling Green averaged almost four goals a game. MSU did a great job against them defensively as well. So um, it's easy to see the team that's getting shut out and point at the uh, the defense that's being played by by the winning team, but. MSU was doing a really good job against Bowling Green too. They didn't have a lot of great scoring chances in that game. So um, I think that MSU does a pretty good job of, of, you know, of adjusting to what, what's going on out there and we'll see what happens with Providence. I don't know a lot about Providence. So uh, to get over that hump, uh, I'm sure they're game planning. I'm sure they're looking at film. I'm sure they were, as soon as the pairings came out last night, the coaches uh, started looking at, film about Providence and breaking that down and trying to figure out what they're going to do. So after losing five times in the NCAAs, what, what do you think? Is there any pressure on Mike Hastings to, to, to finally win? I mean, one of my other questions for you was going to be, he's, he seems to be really kicking ass at MSU. He's really winning <laughs> yeah. a lot of hockey games. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so I was going to ask you what, what, you know, what has he done differently with this program than his predecessor did? And, um, but as you answer that, I also want you to answer, what do you think he's learned from losing, <laughs> from losing <laughs> all due respect? Yeah. But you, if you lose five times, people are going to wonder what, right. okay, at some point you got to win. Right. Coach. Right. No, I think that's true. I think the, I think there is a little bit of pressure. I think there's, um, he's aware of it. I mean, there, he brings it up. Um, he's not like one of those coaches who, if you bring it up, he's going to be mad at you because you mm-hmm. brought up that fact. <laughs> he knows uh, the score. Um, he knows that that's part of his resume. He knows that's how, part of how he'll be judged. Um, and when you get that reputation of, can you get over that hump? Um, that's, uh, you know, that's going to follow you around until you win because it, it just is. And, and it's just funny that we're at this point in Mankato uh, for hockey fans that people are asking that question because, and it's been seven years now, so it's been a significant amount of time that he's been here. But if you go back um, to when he was hired in 2012 and ask people, hey, uh, he's going to win a few new, he's going to win a few WCHA championships. Um, he's going to have some All-Americans. He's going to get to the NCAA tournament six times uh, or five times, excuse me. Um, but they might not win at the NCAA tournament level. Would you take that in 2012? I would guess most people would say yes. But the nature of sports is, okay, you've come this far. Um, you know, you're paid well. You're, um, you've gotten, the, you know, you've, you've taken it to a certain level. Uh, you want to say that you're a good team, not just a good team in the WCHA, which is not considered a you know, top to bottom, great conference compared to a few of the other ones out there. 
you know, how do you get to that next level? How do you take it to the next level? And, and, um, and if you do that, will you be able to that, you know, your, your story is told a little differently, but I don't think he's shied away from that at all. And, um, you know, they just have to go find a way to, to, to play games and, uh, play the way they play. Uh, I mean, I asked him that last night, um, and, uh, at the selection show party and, you know, he just basically said, you know, they have, they have goals as a team and, uh, they think they can do some special things and, you know, we'll see what happens, but Providence is a good team. Um, it's funny that they're 14th cause I think most of the year in the rankings, they were higher than that. They just slipped a little bit lately. Hmm. So two years ago, not two years ago, last, last year's team, there were some big, ex- big expectations of that team. Correct. Yeah, I think so. Didn't, didn't yep. CJC uh, stick around because he thought they had a good chance yeah. to make a run. What was the look, the outlook at the beginning of this year for this team? Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, something I hope to write about at some point, uh, depending on how far they go. You know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> they are, you know, if you looked at the beginning of this season and they you look at what they lost and what they had to replace in their lineup, they lost an All-American uh, center who was the WCHA Player of the Year in CJC's. They lost, uh, who had 43 points, I think. They lost another 43-point scorer in Zeb Knutson, who was a senior. Uh, they lost... He had 43 points. Yep. Uh, they lost Zeb Knutson. Or that was Zeb Knutson. They lost Brad McClure, who um, scored a lot of goals while he was here. A little bit of up and down, but... Big um, playoff guy. Big playoff guy. <laughs> um, they lose Daniel Brickley. All-American defenseman who turned pro. Uh, didn't have the greatest end of the season last year. Didn't have a very good game against Duluth. But um, certainly a significant uh, player on their roster. Play a lot of minutes on defense. And they lost Connor LeCouvier, a goaltender who had a lights-out season. Um, and they entered this season without having any goaltenders of any experience um, in terms of playing for a Minnesota State anyway. So, so they have to replace uh, their starting goalie who played, who won 25 games, I think. All-American defenseman, three senior forwards, uh, two of whom had 40 points, one of whom was an All-American. Um, and when the coaches picked them to win the league, <laughs> win the WCHA at the beginning of the year, I was kind of stunned. I I thought that how can you pick them with what they have coming back? There's there are too many question marks. Um, especially goaltending is the especially biggest, biggest goaltending. Right especially now. goaltending. So, to me, I I you know you're looking at <clears throat> um, if they had finished third in the WCHA and didn't make the national tournament, I I think people would have just said okay. But they're going to be good next year, you know. They're, they're. Uh, this was a transition year, or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. They only have one senior who plays right now, and that's Max Coda. So, what? So to do what they've done just goes to show that I think there's a little bit different chemistry. Um, they were fortunate in goal, where they got a, a, a freshman Dryden McKay playing lights out. Their defenseman, even though I don't know if they have uh, anyone as dynamic as Daniel Brickley was when he was playing his best. I think they are a better defensive core in general as a group of six. 
Um, there's three sophomores in that group who have all taken big steps this year, um, especially Jack McNeely, really good defensive defenseman, Reese Smolik, Edwin Hookinson, and then Connor Mackey who scored that goal the other night, and Ian Scheid will put up a lot of points. But uh, So I think that's part of it. And then I think up front, they just have had different guys at different nights doing different things, and they have two guys with you know 40 or close to 40 points in uh, Mark Michaelis and Parker Toomey. So they've, they have kind of filled those holes, um, but not necessarily – directly one-on-one you know with uh with an exact replacement i think they've just done some things differently with um other than the goaltender um they've just been able to do some things differently and i think it's kind of cool to see because it's really hard to compare and the coaches hate it when you compare when you ask like what's the difference between this team and last year which is an easy question because there still are so many returning players who are the same and it's a hard question to answer because i just think the the their makeup is just different and um there's an x factor there that i don't know if i've been able to put my finger quite on yet they do seem a lot deeper than other teams that i've seen and i've seen and over the course of the year correct me if i'm wrong you're the expert but <laughs> it seems it, it seems like um i've seen players the lineup has been changing and i've seen players go from the top line to the fourth line and they've just been moving around i think it's because everybody's Everybody's performing. Everybody's contributing. They're all doing really well. And you don't have a really, I mean, not that they always have had a weak line, but they've always had like a checking line, right? Where there's like this, I remember like the the, the, the Rob Rankin. Yeah, the guys like that. One of my that. all-time favorite players. Sure, just sure. a nightmare to play against. Right, right. They've always had that kind of line. And now like they have four lines that can play with anybody. Yeah, I, I th- it's interesting how they construct things, that they, they have some guys who are, are what they would call harder guys, guys who um, or heavy guys, they call them sometimes, like a Jared Spooner, uh, Nick Rivera, um, guys like that. But a lot of times they, you know, they – the one thing that Mike Hastings does as a head coach is he makes guys defend. He makes guys play what he likes to call a 200-foot game. So if you're the number one center, um, like Mark Michaelis is, he wants you to score points, put up goals, assists, etc. But you also have other jobs. You got to win faceoffs. You got to defend. Sometimes you're going to defend against the other team's top line. It's not necessarily, you know, um, you know, playing the matchup game, and 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 it seems like they have a top line with. that's produced a lot of goals with Michaelis, Toomey, and, and Charlie Gerrard. And then the other three lines, I mean, you can go through, and it just seems like if you can, if they stay out of penalty trouble, if the game stays out of a special team situation, they can roll those lines and, and put them all out there in, in any situation. And you're getting pretty consistent production from all three. And they do in-game adjustments. They'll switch guys around. They'll double shift guys who are playing well. They'll sit a guy for a spell if he's not playing well. They they really seem to adjust on the fly very well and uh, keep things rolling. And so I that's where I would agree. I don't, I don't know if you have specific guys have specific roles. Don't get me wrong. And they're playing the power play and they're playing the penalty kill and that sort of thing. Or they're um, they're better in defensive zone, whatever it might be, but they seem to be able to go with 
you know, the hot hand, whoever's playing well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and go from there. So we're going to transition a little bit to um, away from this team specifically. I want to ask you a little bit about hockey all time um, and in your what nineteen years, twenty years. This is my nineteenth season covering the team. So I'll have nineteen years been covering nineteen the years at the Free Press in this summer, I guess. Who are your top three players? Oh gosh, I've got my oh, top man. three. Oh man, oh, but I want to know who your top three. three. Well, I'll give you my players. top three. And then you can okay, give me your you top give three. me your top three because this is uh, I, I don't think about this very often. So okay, my number three would be Shane Joseph. Okay, loved him. The, he was the hardest working guy. Never stopped moving his feet. Best the best stick handler I've ever seen. Um, and just so much fun to watch. Uh, number two, David Backus. Big stud. <laughs> a joy to watch from the minute he came in here. And number one, this might be different than most people, but Matt Leitner was my favorite player yeah. to watch. Yeah. He did so many things without the puck. The way he would set people up, um, he was just the kind of player that I would want to be if I were playing still. Yeah, uh, unbelievable hands that he had, unbelievable vision of the ice, um, without a doubt. Uh, unbelievable to watch. Oh, boy, this is a really – this is a tough – this is a tough question because I have different, probably different categories too. Because I think about guys I've interviewed and and then guys I've watched. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Joseph has to be on the list. I mean, the the year Shane Joseph Grant Stevenson played uh, together when they went to the NCAA tournament two thousand two oh three, both had sixty points plus. Oh man, um, little bit different era. Um, yep. You know, they uh, but fantastic and. And <clears throat> Joseph backed it up the next year, his senior year, without um, without Stevenson there. He had David Backus as a rookie, but Travis Morin. Um, so um, Joseph, yeah, Backus has to probably be on the list. Did some amazing things, and then you know, then the more in the like the Mike Hastings era. Um, gosh, that's a. Boy, that's a really, uh, CJ Cease. I really, and I, I, there's so much I liked about his game. Um, like talking to him too. Um, another guy too that that's probably you know I mentioned Travis Morin earlier because uh, he kind of went under the radar a little bit. I think he was in the you know David back as a shadow a little bit and um, but <clears throat> put up a ton of points and continues to this day in uh, the American Hockey League. Uh, playing for the Texas Stars in Austin, Texas, and has had quite the career just one level below the NHL. Um, so I might put him on there. You know Ryan Carter? Mm-hmm. Ryan Carter, who played for the Wild, and New Jersey Devils had a long NHL career. Uh, he'd probably be another one. I'd, he'd probably be on my interview list of guys I like to interview. Um, Joe Schiller would be on that list. He didn't play a ton, but um, really good guy. guy. Smart guy. PhD candidate, or maybe he's gotten it now at the University of Oklahoma, um, studying history, history of like mining and things like that. It's uh, uh, not your typical hockey player. <laughs> uh, so I know I just rambled on, and so it was not exactly a great top three for you. Um, I might have to put Stefan Williams in there as a goaltender and the stuff that he did as he a writer, so as a writer watching games and seeing <clears throat> things you've never seen before dumping over a goal to get a stoppage oh, 
was classic. Getting a five-minute major and having to sit in the penalty box, which I've never <laughs> seen a goalie do before. Um, you know, I might I might have to put him on the list too, just in terms of stories to write and who is characters. The, who was the player that was that was hurt, writhing in pain? It was when Casey Stephon Nelson? Stefan did that. Okay. Casey Nelson. So, if uh, for the listeners who are still with us, um, <laughs> uh, the Mavericks are playing the Gophers at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, part of the North Star College Cup. And it was late in the game. MSU was leading. The Gophers were on a power play, I believe. And Casey Nelson blocked a shot and was lying um, in the left circle, writhing in pain. And the Gophers were still slinging the puck around the outside. So Casey was never in danger, so they did not stop the. Stop and that's play. the rule, right? You, I believe the rule is they don't make they don't they won't blow the whistle unless the player is um, the injured player is in some sort of danger like, of getting run over or the puck coming to him or something or like, like in the that. way of the of, right of the action, which is to guard against people faking I, injuries, I, correct. on like a breakaway. That's or something. right. That's right. But he was clearly hurt, and so as the Gophers were slinging the puck around the outside of the. Uh, of the uh, of the zone, uh, <laughs> Stefan Williams, the goalie, finally has had enough, and he turns <laughs> around and he tips over the goal to get a stoppage. I mean, and he throws the goal. I mean, it's a heave of the goal. It tips over, goes against the wall, and he skates away. And um, he indeed gets the, a stoppage, but the rule is then that the Gophers get a penalty shot for this intentional delay of game. And if the Gophers had scored on the penalty shot, uh, it would they would have been a, a one-goal game, and they still would have been on this power play. <laughs> and Williams uh, stops the shot, oh, and it was. Uh, I still think that's in the that's a top that's a top five moment oh, in, for in sure. covering the team for when sure. you look at uh, crazy things that have happened and say um, that that I'll never see that again. I don't think. I don't oh. think that's ever going to happen again. And no if way. it does, it won't be quite by a character like like that guy. <laughs> Stefan Williams. Man. <laughs> Who was the other goalie that was kind of a character? Chris Clark. Chris Clark. Was yeah. he kind of a character yeah. in Holly- Hollywood? Yeah, Hollywood. He wasn't even from, he was from Northern California, but <laughs> because he was from California, they called him Hollywood. Uh, he's an assistant coach, a uh, junior hockey team out in uh, Wenatchee, Washington now. Um, okay, well, good and, for him. Uh, a few uh, current MSU players have played for him. We get a lot of guys from California. There's in a few this California program. guys. Uh, Nick Rivera uh, currently on the team. Was Shane, it Matt Leitner from California? Matt Leitner, yep. And somebody else earlier, a couple years ago. Oh boy, no! Wasn't there someone else? Or maybe, or maybe, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of maybe I'm thinking of Leitner. Where was Rankin from? Uh, he's from the Twin Cities. He's from Twin Egan. Cities. Okay, yep. Egan. All right. Um, I'm gonna let you go pretty soon here. We've been on <laughs> on this for a long time, but one thing I wanted to talk to you about before you leave is <clears throat> well, I want to get your predictions first of all. Oh, okay. Be- before we get to that, um, I want to ask you what you what you what your assessment is of the Mankato hockey crowd. Now, I've been coming to games in the D1 era since they began, and I was there back in the early days when people didn't know what offsides was. Right. And, and, the, and the collective knowledge in that building was, 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 was pretty poor. Um, now, it seems like after being there for that 
drama on Saturday night, it seems like they've come a long way in that respect. They really kind of understand what's happening. Um, you don't see a lot of people. I mean, it's still a late arriving crowd in some respects, yep. but there was a day when like half the crowd was showing up middle second period. Sure. You don't see that anymore. And it seems like it's gotten, they've gotten better. So what have you seen in those, in, in that regard, as far as the education of Mankato as a hockey loving community? It's still a little hit and miss at times to me. Um, you know, I look back at the week earlier that, that I thought the crowds weren't what I expected them to be for that semifinal series. I mm-hmm. thought that they would be better. Um, so crowd wise, it still seems to be hit and miss. People still want to be there for the big game. That's yeah. not necessarily for every game. And, uh, I think when the students are there, if they can get the students there consistently, I think there's an atmosphere of uh, uh, they they make the atmosphere better. I think that makes the place a, a more attractive place to go uh, for games. Um, I still think there's a, uh, although the attendance went way up this year by, um, I think at one time the, they were averaging almost 500 fans a game more than last year. I think that went down because of the playoffs a little bit, but uh, so I think it's growing. It's become the thing to do, but I still think people, they liked that Boston university was here this year. They liked that Minnesota was here. They like a game like this past weekend when it's for a championship. Mm -hmm. So still trying to get them out to see uh, Ferris state, Michigan tech, Alabama, Huntsville, Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska, Fairbanks, um, people are kind of, yeah, you know, if we, I, I'll go, if I can go, there's a, there's a lot of that. So yeah. I, I think that's more, as far as like educated crowd goes, it's hard to tell. Um, they, they, they seem to know what they're doing, but they, I, I, I don't know. I'd be probably bad of me to really gauge what that's like collectively. But I do, I just think it's still, a little bit of hit and miss. Not everybody's still coming out just to see the Mavericks. They still want to see the opponents. So, uh, you know, people still ask me, like, oh, are they ever going to get in the NCHC? And, well, maybe they will. Um, but they're putting out a, they have a pretty good product right now as it is, no matter who they're playing, even if it's uh, a lower-level uh, WCHA team. Speaking of the NCHC, um, I know the Mavericks tried – or yeah, they tried to get in – couple years ago yeah couple years officially. ago um did they try to get in initially when the teams first broke away or were they just you know, I, left d- behind? I don't know i think they were left behind um, nchc by the way is the national collegiate hockey <coughs> conference which a bunch of the wcha teams broke off from yeah, we could do a whole bo- new yeah we could do a whole podcast about that situation right. um and you know so you know there it's north dakota denver duluth st cloud it's a group of schools that MSU used to be with and would probably like to be with, or fan, their fans certainly would. It's a grind of a conference. It's a lot of good teams. Uh, my thought on on that is, as far as a few years, you know, back then, would they <clears throat> been able to get? They weren't ready for that. They weren't ready as far as the things that they need, facility wise, uh, the way they um, budgeted their their team. Uh, that's changed in the Mike Hastings era, obviously with a with a facility, but also with uh, other things that they do to make sure that they're competitive um, on a D- 
Division One national level. Um, but as far as going to that conference goes at that time, uh, you know, I don't think they were, I don't think that conference intended even at the time to get St. Cloud State. Now, St. Cloud State's won it three times, um, which good for them. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, they proved me wrong. I thought they would have rather stayed in the WCHA with MSU and, you know, had a chance to win every year like MSU's doing. And, They've had that success in the NCHC. But I think originally when that conference was formed, I don't think their intention was to bring in a St. Cloud State. I think their intention was to be the Division One schools that were playing in the WCHA and the CCHA and North Dakota and Miami and Western Michigan. They really wanted Notre Dame and didn't get Notre Dame, and that's when they got St. Cloud State. Um, so Minnesota State wasn't really ready for that if and when they, at the time, but I'm not sure they really wanted um, Minnesota State, at least the way they were at the time. So there's a lot of revisionist history about that. There's a lot of um, anger and resentment from around that time that uh, both directed at uh, the NCHC and those schools and the Big Ten, uh, but also at MSU not being prepared to go there, whether or not I, don't, I just don't know. If, my personal opinion is I don't think they – wanted a, a school like a division two school like Minnesota state at the time. I think they or were looking at, at different things, but it evolved to the point that when it was time to bring someone else in St. Cloud state was ready. Minnesota state wasn't, um, but they were more ready than other schools like Michigan tech and the Alaska schools and other ones. They would have probably just been the ones that were at the top of that next group. And as we've seen, what they've done, they have been the top of that last group, that mm -hmm. next group, but doing it in a way where they're still competitive now on a national scale. All right. So, <laughs> you got any predictions? Predictions? Um, boy, oh boy, I don't know. Are they going to win? Are they going to be Providence in Providence? I think they in are. In that hostile environment. I think they are. I think they're, well, we'll see how hostile it is. I, <laughs> I'll, I'll reserve my judgment on how hostile it is until I actually see the crowd. Okay. I, <laughs> I know nothing about Providence. I looked up a few things. Um, I think it's going to be a tough game, but I, I just had a, I have a feeling about this team, the way they're playing, uh, the way they've done some things this year that I, I think they, uh, I'm, I'm going to predict they win. Um, it'll probably be three to two, <laughs> like every other game. Every game Saturday night, by the way, every championship game uh, was a three to two game on Saturday night in every conference championship game. Wow! Four of them went to overtime. One of them was double overtime. So, how about a three-two Maverick win over the Friars? Okay. And then we'll see what happens Sunday. How far will they advance? That's a good question. In the tournament. It's a good question. Uh, if they have to play Northeastern, that'll be tough because it'll they'll be a very Northeastern crowd for that game. Because I know uh, I know nothing about that team, program, school. Well, one of Northeastern's best players, or one of the reasons they won on uh, won the Hockey East Championship on Saturday night, was a, is a transfer from Bowling Green. So, oh. <laughs> uh, who's kind of leading them right now? One thing I love about college hockey is there's all these schools that have great programs that you'd never see in like March Madness or right. football. There's, right. you know, Union College won the, yeah. didn't they win it a couple years ago? Isn't yeah. that where Max Cota's brother went yes. to school or something? Yes. Okay. Or like Harvard can make a run. Right. Yale won the title yes. not that long ago and you get these, like Clarkson. 
Yes. And both men's and women's hockey are doing fantastic. Although I will mention the Badgers did win the uh, did. women's title. They did. They did. Go go Badgers. Um, but yeah, that's what I, I it's it's fun to see these weird name RITs. Right. And right. Uh, and, and if those te- and if those schools do make the NCAA men's basketball tournament, you know, they're uh, always a, a bracket buster upset kind of team. Yeah. Um, so there's not really uh, uh, other than the Big Ten schools and a couple of the hockey East schools, there generally isn't that that same name recognition. Mm-hmm. And again, if we want to talk about that with the NCHC and stuff, we can go down another rabbit hole. But I <laughs> will leave that for now. But um, yeah, if you look at and, and, and it's funny too. Watching the selection show yesterday, you know, one of the things they talked about on the show after um, unveiling the brackets was who was not there. Um, like the Gophers? The Gophers, <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State, North Dakota, Wisconsin, Boston University, Boston College. Schools that have won national championships. Yeah, that's multiple, a long, multiple, distinguished list. Multiple national championships that are not playing in this year's tournament. And the top three seeds overall are St. Cloud State, Minnesota Duluth, and Minnesota State. And uh, and then UMass, which used to be kind of the middle-of-the-road Hockey East team, is the is up there. The Hockey East teams are Providence, Massachusetts, and Northeastern, not BU and BC. So it's a little different. Um, I think it's fantastic. But I think it's great. I think it's great because you're, you're seeing good hockey. They're good players. Um and the players are coming from all over. Um, it's not like it's a bunch of mid-majors, so to speak. Uh, and and we have to also mention, you know, Bowling Green. Bo- Bowling Green's going to give Duluth a hard time, I think. On I don't know if it's Friday or Saturday offhand, but um, that'll be interesting to see if they're able to do that. Um, it is nice to see two WCHA teams make it on their own yep. merit. Yep, no question, no question. I think that's. Um, it's hard to get more than two in, even for the good conferences. I mean, Big Ten right now has one. Um, uh, NCHC has three. Uh, I know the NCHC had as much as five one year or something like that, five of their eight. But So it's hard. Uh, it's hard to get multiple teams in. All right. Anything else you want to talk about, Shane, as far as hockey goes? Otherwise, we're going to wrap it up. Here. All right, let's wrap. Long, we can wrap it up. That's fine. It's I think, been a long uh, talk of hockey. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope uh, it was fun and informative. Just so you guys know, <laughs> listeners, Shane and I do this like every day in my office. <laughs> we just sit down and talk about hockey yeah. instead of doing actual work. That's how Rob um, kicks me out of his office. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, thanks for coming on, Shane. Yeah, you're welcome. Maybe we'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, well, if they do win two games this weekend and go to the Frozen Four, maybe we will. We can. Uh, we can definitely we can, uh, talk about it again. We can definitely meet again next Monday. All right. All right. Thanks, Shane. You're welcome. <laughs>